If you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 28. The Lord hasn't let me loose from talking about the fire from last Sunday. So we're going to call today, Thank God for the Fire, part two. Is that all right? Acts chapter 28, would you stand for the reading of God's Word? Beginning at verse 1, and when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us every one because of the present rain and because of the cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat, fastened on to his hand. And When the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said amongst themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer whom, though he has escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a God. Father, we bless you today. Thank you for the word, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, for these next several moments together, may the anointing of the Spirit be upon the Word and upon your servant. And Lord, may it go forth and may it fall in good hearing and more importantly, fall on good soil and good souls. We thank you, we praise you, and we glorify you in Jesus' precious and wonderful name. And the church said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. There is a stirring within your pastor's heart that we keep our Pentecostal distinctive alive and well. What that means is that we stand firm in our belief in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the fire that comes with it. We're fire people. The very real presence of the Holy Ghost is the symbol of of fire as we are reminded again that John the Baptist stated in Luke chapter 3 verse 16 when he said I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance but one mightier than I is coming the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose when he comes he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire the fire of His presence, it's who we are, it's what we believe, it's how we live, it's what we should be seeking after. Oh Lord, send your fire among your people. This is so very important to me that I feel I must highlight some important truths from last Sunday's message. To drive the point home about the fire of God's presence. Now, I normally 
when I do uh, two or three messages together, I usually hit it and run. I usually do a quick review, but I felt a check in my spirit this week to spend a few moments here. Last week when we talked about the fire, we mentioned that in Leviticus when the burnt offering was given, in Leviticus chapter 6, the ashes from that sacrifice was to be one set to the side of the altar and two was to be taken out away from the altar. The ashes were not to remain on top of the altar. They were not to stay there. Additionally, we learned from the word that three times in those six verses, God commanded that the fire on the altar was to never go out. It was to never, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, on the altar that had the burnt offering, there was always supposed to be a fire burning. Whereas the ashes, which represents that that has been sacrificed, which represents the past, was carried away, the fire, which represented the present, must burn continually and perpetually on the altar. The message is loud and clear from the Old Testament book of Leviticus, chapter 6, to the New Testament saints in Pulaski County on this Sunday in July. And the message to us is that we must quit living on the ashes of yesterday's experiences. We must cry out for a fresh move of God's presence in our lives. When it comes to the ashes, we must set them to the side of the altar. When it comes to the ashes, we must carry them away from the altar. Thank God for yesteryear's blessings. Thank God for yesteryear's moves. But I stand here today saying, God, I need a brand new touch for today. Like the song says, my strength from yesterday is gone. I need a brand new touch from the fire of your presence. And I need it today. Can someone say amen? I will accept the challenge and the conviction to pursue God's spirit and his presence, and that there be no risk that the fire of God would go out on the, on the altar of my soul. I need that brand new touch. And let me just stop here and say this to you. We need the fire of God to burn in our hearts. We need the fire of God to burn in our homes. We need the fire of God to burn in our marriages. We need the fire of God to burn in our churches. We need the fire of God to burn in our ministries. If there's no fire... There's no anointing. If there's no fire, there's no effectiveness. If there's no fire, there is no life and no vitality in the spirit realm. I want to see the fire of God burning in my life and in my heart. Oh, praise the Lord. The second thing that we uh, talked about last week 
was that there were tremendous blessings that were connected with the fire of God burning in your life. Tremendous blessings. The first of which, there was three that we recounted last Sunday in the message. And while I won't go into extreme detail, I'm going to give you what I feel like the Lord wants me to share today. When the fire is burning, God is speaking to His people. When the fire is burning, God is speaking through His people. You see, I'm convinced that though it's a walk of faith, we don't have to walk blindly. Did you hear that? Though this is a walk of faith and we do not walk by sight, we walk by faith. And yet we don't have to stumble along as Christians blindly. For when the fire of God's Spirit is burning in your life and the fire of His presence is is kindled upon the altar of your soul, you will get direction. You will know which way you need to go. You don't have to be alarmed when you come to a fork in the road because you have the presence of God to lead you, to guide you, and direct you. And not only for direction, but when the fire is burning, God will speak through you and it will affect change, a positive change and an eternal change in someone else's life. Praise God for the fire of Almighty God. was talking to someone earlier this morning where in a phone conversation on one night earlier this week, one believer talking to a soul and the fire of God was burning and that soul said, I'm ready to accept Jesus as my personal Savior and Lord. That's what happens when the fire of God is burning on the altar of a soul. It's that they can't keep it to themselves. They got God direction, but they not only have God's direction, but they also want to make sure everyone else experiences the abundance and the blessings that they have. So I'm telling you, if you'll get more of God's presence and more of God's spirit and more of God's fire in your life, he will speak to you and he will speak through you. That's what happens when the fire is burning brightly on the altar of your soul. Let me tell you something else that happens. Another blessing when the fire is burning And that is that sanctification is happening among the people of God. Now let me just stop here and tell you this. I need God's Spirit to convict me. I must have God's Spirit to convict me. You say, well, Pastor, God gave you a conscience. Well, let me tell you something. My conscience will deceive me. My conscience is not foolproof. My conscience will justify to me. Listen, my conscience will lead me astray. The scripture says my conscience, my carnal conscience can be seared with a hot iron. Your conscience and my conscience are not foolproof. They are part of our carnal DNA and they will lead us astray and they will leave us high and dry to pick up the pieces. This whole idea of let your conscience be your guide, this slogan, this phrase, you need to renounce it. You need to refute it. You need to stomp on top of it. What you need more than your conscience that you were created is with is that you need the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We need good old-fashioned conviction back in the life of believers. I'm telling you, if you settle for your conscience, it's going to be, it's going to leave you in a quandary. It's going to leave you in a pickle. We don't need our conscience to be our guide. We need the Holy Spirit to be our guide. And therefore, we need the fire of His presence. 
We need the conviction of the Holy Ghost. When the fire is burning on your altar, He will speak to you. He will talk to you. I'm telling you, and let me just throw this out here. As I said, spent a lot of time saying last week, a reminder that God is looking for His people to be separate from the world. And the way that we strive toward that is to be open to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And that happens when we go after the fire of His presence. You see, the fire of His presence will bring sanctification and affects every area of your life. It will affect the way you talk. It will affect the way you walk. It will, it will affect the places that you go. It will affect the people that you spend time with. It will affect how you present yourselves. I covered all of that in detail last week. We need the conviction of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to say this today, but it's not me saying it. It is the Word of God. The results of sanctification is holiness. And my Bible tells me in the book of Hebrews that we are to pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see, see the Lord. And let me just stop here and say it flat-footed and square-shouldered and look you into the cornea of your eye and tell you, if you lean on your own conscience, you will be deceived. You need the conviction of the Holy Ghost to live a holy life that is pleasing to the Lord. The third thing is, is when the fire is burning, God is revealing and showing his majesty to his people. It was a pillar of fire that led the children of Israel. Amen. When Isaiah had his vision of the throne, in Isaiah chapter 6, an angel, watch what he did. He flew to Isaiah with a live coal taken with tongs. From off the altar. The angel. <laughs> he didn't grab the coal. With his bare angelic hands. He grabbed it with tongs. That let me know there was a fire burning. Oh, somebody say amen. There was a fire burning in front of the, in front of the throne on the altar. If you go to Revelation chapter 4 and verse 5, it tells us that there are seven lamps of fire that burn before the throne. The fire is, is throughout the Bible representative of God and his presence. And so when the fire is burning, it lets us know that his majesty has come, the king of glory has entered the room. The God of all gods and king of all kings has made his entrance among his people. Oh God, send your fire uh, to us today. Send your fire among us. We desperately need to hear your voice out of the fire. Amen. We desperately need to experience your cleansing and burning and sanctification out of the fire of your presence. We desperately need to know your majesty and your awesomeness that comes out of the fire. Oh, praise the Lord. God, send your fire to your people once again. I pray that we don't just have Holy Ghost altar services. I pray that we have Holy Ghost bedrooms. I pray that we have Holy Ghost living rooms. I pray that we have Holy Ghost kitchens and, and sunrooms and decks on the back of the house. I pray God would interrupt some marriages and some families in the house of God to where a Holy Ghost revival breaks out even in the home. It can still happen. We need the fire of God and we need it in every area of our life.
Well, there you go. There's a capsule from last week. Hmm. You see, we are living in a, such a diluted church culture. I told the class Wednesday night, Jesus is coming back after a remnant. This is no time to be playing games with the Holy Spirit. I believe his church is going to go out in a blaze of glory. But I read about ten foolish virgins, or ten virgins, five were foolish and five were wise. Five were on fire, had their fire with them. Five were foolish, played games with the world, didn't trim their lamps, and they weren't ready when the Lord came. And they found it was too late because they were living in the cold, they were living in the atmosphere. They were living in the ashes of yesterday, didn't keep their wick trimmed, didn't keep their oil supplied, didn't keep the fire in their lanterns going. Deceived by their own conscience. I think I'm okay. I think I'm okay. I'll push it right there to the line of the world. I think I'm okay. Till you find out that your conscience let you down. It's one thing if your conscience lets you down here, but it's something else if your conscience deceives you and it's for all of eternity. Those are the blessings of the fire. But let me tell you, there are also challenges that come with the fire. Oh, yeah. There's warfare that comes with the fire. You see, when a person gets on fire for God, it will always expose the evil serpent called Satan. Here's a narrative. 276 people out on a storm-tossed sea. They become shipwrecked. The capsule version is God had already promised through an angel that not one soul would perish. All 276 people, in fact, survive. And they come to an island where there's a bunch of barbarian people who surprisingly show them a great amount of hospitality. And a fire is started. Some could say it was a fire of warmth, a fire of compassion and community. It was a fire of unity among people from different walks of life. It'd be easy for me to say it was a fire from God that was started on that island. Paul is going doing his part to gather sticks. To add fuel to the fire. My Lord, I'm, I'm getting excited about where I'm going in a minute. He's gathering sticks to add fuel to the fire. And a serpent, a viper, when the warmth of the fire is intensified by the building and the adding of branches and sticks, which means more fuel, that viper jumps out and latches onto Paul. <laughs> Let me just stop here and say it again. Thank God for the fire. Let me also see when I say when I read this story, I was reminded with that when spiritual fires were burning throughout the New Testament, that old viper, he was always going to make himself known. And for those gathering sticks for more fire fuel, he's really going to target you. Notice that they had built the fire for him, but it was the Apostle Paul 
It was the Apostle Paul that went out and, and gathered sticks. Now, I'm sure there probably were some others, but he was determined that this fire of community and unity and, and, and this fire of, of people from different walks of life that was keeping them warm after this shipwreck, he was determined to add sticks and add branches and add fuel uh, to the fire. And let me tell you, when that happens and the heat of the fire becomes more intense, that old snake, he couldn't, he couldn't stay there anymore. And let me tell you, when I look back in the ministry in the New Testament, I find it happened several times. It happened to Jesus at the peak of his ministry when his popularity and his fame had, had really grown and the fire of God was spreading and people were turning to follow the Lord. That old serpent came out through the religious leaders and at one time they literally tried to throw Jesus from a cliff. The old snakes they did. And let me tell you, in fact, John the Baptist, while many were finding God and being baptized and religion was being minimized and revival fires was burning while he was preaching fiery messages of repentance and people were being converted. Let me tell you, it brought the snakes out. It brought the snakes out of the flames of revival and named the Pharisees and the Sadducees. As a matter of fact, he called them out by name. Oh, I love this. He looked at them in all of his roughshod attire and eating locusts and wild honey and baptizing people and leading them to God and they're finding peace with Jesus and finding peace with Jehovah God. And here comes the religious leaders because there's a new movement in town and it's spreading like wildfire. Well, praise the Lord. Here comes the religion. Here comes the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And what did he say when he saw them coming? He said, you brood of vipers who has warned you to flee from the wrath that is to come. He knew who they were. He knew they were snakes that were trying to do what they could to shut down the revival fires. The apostle Paul certainly was no stranger to the venom of the snakes of religion that opposed him. Go to Acts chapter 16 and you'll read about a young girl who had the spirit of divination. She was demon possessed and she was following behind uh, uh, the apostle Paul and it brought the snakes out. It brought the snakes out because she was bringing evil people profit from her divination even though she was declaring the truth. What did the apostle Paul do? He shut it all down. He cast out the spirit of divination and it would end up landing him and Silas in prison in Acts chapter 16. Y'all still out there this morning? Everybody with me today? I'm telling you, he would go to Acts chapter 14. He's brought healing uh, through the name of Jesus to an impotent man and the snakes come out of the revival fire and they attempt to stone Paul to death. So he's been thrown into prison because of snakes coming out of the fire. He's been stoned almost to death because of snakes coming out of the fire. I'm telling you, you let Pulaski Church of God really catch on fire. You see, what we get is we get a little match every now and again. We get a little ember burning over here, a little ember burning over here. But I'm praying God turn this place into a raging inferno of His Spirit, of His presence, and of His power. That every sinner and backslider in the house either has to run to the altar or run out the door because the fire of conviction is burning brightly. But let me warn you, if we get on fire, you better get ready because the warfare is coming. The devil's not going to coil up anywhere where the fire's turned up. He's going to jump out. He's going to latch on. He's going to try to wreak havoc among God's people. But I'm here to tell you, greater is he that is within you than he that is within the world and that comes out of the fire. 
Well, praise the Lord. You see, it's starting. In four and three quarter years, I've seen this get here before. When the fire starts burning a little bit more, somebody starts stirring it up a little bit more. Ashes are thrown to the side of the altar that would choke out the fire. Ashes are carried out from the altar so there's no connection to the fire. Fires start burning a little more brightly. Miracles happening. Somebody told me the other day, God healed me of sugar diabetes, and the doctor can't explain it. Praise the Lord. I guess about nine months ago, I witnessed with my own eyes an infant child that couldn't move his right arm or right leg. And his mom sent me a video clip the other day. Leg was kicking and arm was swinging. I said, praise God. Miracles are happening. Miracles are happening. When the youth of your church and the kids of your church are being baptized and they're pressing into Jesus and they're being changed. When you hear a mama say, I sent my kid to youth camp and a different child came back. Let me tell you what's happening. The fire is burning. When people are hungry for a move of God, when you're believing for a harvest to come in, when these things are starting to build, let me tell you what's happening. The hedges of the serpent are being broken. They're being disturbed. I go to Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 8 and it tells us, Whoso breaks a hedge, a serpent shall bite him. That's Bible. And when it comes to spiritual fires, I declare the hedge is being broken. But don't you believe for one moment that the snake is going to roll over and play possum? And let me just, Lord help me this morning. You know, you can have great emotional services and leave the snake undisturbed. But you let people get closer to the fire of God. You let couples start praying together. You let moms and dads start laying their hands on the crowns of the heads of their kids. Well, I don't want, my, I don't want you laying hands on me. I brought you into this world. I can take you out of this world. I'm going to pray for you, boy. Forget whether it's popular or not. There's a devil out there trying to destroy them. There's a culture out there, a school system, a government that's out there trying to confuse them. My God, they need the mind of Christ. They need mom and dad with some holy fire in their hands to lay hands on their head so they're not deceived by this world. My God. 
can have great emotional services and leave the snake undisturbed. You let people get closer to the fire. The more uneasy the snake will be getting. Thank you for that one amen. I'm going to declare this. When the fire is burning brighter in people, in the Pulaski Church of God, lying will be shut up. Gambling will be given up. Drinking will dry up. The homes will be tightened up. Marriages will be healed up. Souls will be stirred up. Moms will become prayed up. And dads will start to man up. My God, we don't just need revival in the church. We need revival in the family. We don't just need the fire of God in the altars of Pulaski. We need fires in the altars of the homes. So the devil will know it's time to pack up your suitcase. Put his suitcases on the back porch. Because more and more of God's fire is burning. Send him away from your family in Jesus' name. Don't expect the snake to leave. Beelzebub, Leviathan, the serpent. Don't expect him to leave without a fight. <laughs> He'll stay coiled up where there are still people thriving off of yesterday's ashes. He has no need to surface. Where there are embers of worldliness and apathy and half-heartedness. He could stay hidden in the sticks. But you're doing his job for him if you live a life of duplicity. That's good preaching, Pastor. If you crank up the fire, he won't stay put. And here's truth. He won't run. Because initially, he's going to try to bring out poison contrary to the warmth of God's fire. Let me tell you what he's doing. He's trying to divide. I have watched over the last two and a half years as he has attempted to divide us through political issues, social issues, race issues, gender issues, music issues, Doctrine issues. She won't talk to me issues. He won't. He ignored me issues. Don't fall for that baloney. But pastor, what do we do to combat the old serpent that's latching onto us? See, often when the viper attaches onto us, we want to panic and shriek, scream negotiate and run everywhere but where the fire is Paul didn't shriek he didn't scream and he sure didn't run he just shook off the snake and kept enjoying the fire 
it would be wrong for me to say this in a conversational tone. So, can someone shout because of the fire? Can someone praise God for the fire? Well, you asked for it because I pulled it down the first time. I'm not going to this time. Can someone shout for the fire? Can someone praise God for the fire of his presence? Hallelujah. Smith Wigglesworth was in bed one night and he encountered a hideous, dark creature in the corner of his room. Who are you? Smith Wigglesworth demanded. It replied, the devil. Smith said, Oh, it's just you, and rolled over and went back to sleep. That's what you do when you're enjoying the fire. I'm telling you, I've met too many believers that are spending all their time rebuking the devil. I tell you what you need to do. Minimize rebuking the devil and start focusing on the fire of his presence and let God take care of the rest. My Lord. promise from your Lord behold I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you Luke 10, 19, Mark 6, 17, one of those signs that shall follow them that believe. They shall take up serpents, and it shall not hurt them. I ain't lining up to handle no snakes, that's for sure. But neither do I have to fear if one pops up out of the fire. Focus on, don't focus on the evil, focus on the fire. My Lord.
with every bit of respect that I have for those in the vocational field that help with mental and emotional illness. With every bit of respect that I have for those that help us when we deal with physical maladies. Why don't you give God's presence a chance first? Could it be that his fire in my life would burn the emotional distress out of me? Could it be that his fire in my life would purge the cancer out of me? I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. God's fire, God's presence. And do more in a moment than six months of marriage counseling when all parties are submitted to the Holy Spirit. Well, man, I want that. I've got to have that. And then as soon as the altar fire starts to burn bright, the devil meets you on Moody Monday or Terrible Tuesday or Wacky Wednesday. And you're not going to stay coiled up where all you've done is live off of something that happened years ago. He's not going to be stirred up if you're trying to hold hands with the world and hands with God at the same time. You got to make up your mind once and for all. I want the fire. Is there if you can help me with the keys? See, I know he's in this place. I told the class Wednesday night on a given Sunday, and the makeup of this crowd is never the same. There's always some people traveling and some guests that come. But is everybody in the room ready? To meet the Lord. Everyone in the room. And I read two will be in the field. One shall be taken. The other one left. Two shall be lying in the bed. One shall be taken. And the other one shall be left. When I read about ten virgins. Five of them were foolish. Five of them were wise. And the five foolish ones. Were left out. I'm telling you friend. Every soul. Listen to the Word of God. you got to go after the fire. You cannot maintain status quo and expect to stay on fire for the Lord. You have to go after the fire to stay on fire. God's Spirit is in this place. He's been with us from the beginning. 
such a sweet presence was here. And I believe conviction is kicking in on someone's conscience. Someone's conscience is being pushed to the side because the Holy Spirit is dealing with your heart right now about something in your life. If you're lost, you can be set free. I just wonder, is there, is it just me or is there, is there any other believers in their house? Is there, is there 50 people in the room? That have, that just want more of the fire of His Spirit. Is, is there is there fifty? Is there sixty people? Is there seventy five people in the room? As they say, you know, I just want more more of His presence, more of His Spirit. And I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care who's sitting around me. I, I'm I'm going. I'm going up. I'm going up. I'm going up. I'm going to get up there, and I'm I'm going to try to get more of His fire today. For these next few moments, I want more of His fire today. Yeah, you, you, maybe you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost, and you say, "I need the Holy Ghost." Let me tell you, Holy Ghost comes when you praise Him, when you praise Him. So I've given invitation. I've given invitation. You need to refill it. Get up here quickly. Start lifting your hands. Come on, come on. Is there some people that are hungry for the fire of His presence? You're, de you're desperate. You're desperate. This is absolutely desperate. Oh, I, I gotta have. I gotta have the fire of His Spirit. I gotta have the fire of His Spirit. Oh, oh, Holy Spirit. Oh, Holy Spirit, come on. Come on. Come on. You say, well, I've got a lot right now. Let me tell you, you can use more. I promise you, you can use more. You never know what's coming around the corner. Hallelujah. I want more. 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 I've gotta have more. More. I've got to have more. Come on, lift those hands to heaven. Say, God, I'm your altar right now. I know I've come to the altar, but I'm your altar. I'm setting the ashes to the side of my soul. I'm carrying the ashes out of my altar room, and I'm asking you to kindle the flame brighter on the altar of my soul. Come on, cry out to him. i got to have you, Holy Ghost. I've 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 got to have you.